Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I am Jay Warmke. And today I think I'm Annie Warmke. And I think you are too. At least you look like her. And yeah. <laughs> anyway, today we're going to talk about the upcoming 2022 release of the Ford Lightning, which sounds like a promo thing, or... Electric vehicles have just got hair on their chest. So that is so not true. That is just <laughs> like, not true. It's like that. Oh, 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 oh. Right. So so anyway, I, I've been I've been touting this Ford Lightning ever since I heard about it. And and it's not that, you know, I'm a big advocate of Ford. Um, no, fact. no, please don't be. Right. But <laughs> but the thing about electric vehicles and and one of the issues they faced, one of the, I guess, limitations of their growth and their experience expansion has been that um, they've been seen as weak you know the well, they the, always say Prius is gay person's car well which yeah is but sad that's uh, sad to talk like they that. say that but anyway it's it's um it's like the um, you know they're they're by a certain subset of the population they are seen as a tree hugging left-wing kind of thing. And and the thing about the Ford Lightning is this is such a meaty electric, fully electric pickup truck. It's basically the F-150 gone electric. Um, it, I think, is going to bring electric vehicles to what do you call them? Like Joe Sixpack, you know, the 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 mainstream so blue collar. I don't care. It's just the <laughs> way it is. I mean it isn't. It yeah. isn't. It's talking about efficiency. It's talking about um uh use of resources being a lot more um practical it's also a vehicle that is incredibly practical in so many okay. ways most vehicles all you do is drive them and throw crap in the trunk all right well that's why electric vehicles but this you're, is not you're talking... a male female kind of thing yeah but it really is you know oh, I mean... i'm so sorry for you <laughs> but really i, I want to i just want to throw in here also that i looked at a video uh, a promo video on the Ford Lightning, and I am not an advocate of Ford in any way, so that's my disclaimer, but I just want to say that I decided that a woman designed this vehicle. Oh, and you call me sexist. No, it isn't. Uh -huh. it, it isn't sexism at all. It is really thinking about how not just um, a farmer is going to use that truck, but how a family would use the truck, how an individual would use the truck. And that's what it, some of what I'm talking about in terms of efficiency. But it's just the most practical vehicle I've ever seen. Yeah, it's got, um, well, in case... Let's try and describe it a little bit. Obviously, we're using words to paint pictures here, but it looks like a regular one of those big old mammoth pickup trucks. A military vehicle. The ones that come right you. up on my the tail end of my little Prius and and look like they're about to drive over the back of me. Now, because it is an electric vehicle, there is no motor. So the front of it, actually, they refer to that as the frunk. Um, if you open up the hood inside is a platform and it has oh i don't know half a dozen electric outlets around the perimeter of it i think in the 
video we saw it has like a recessed areas where you could put a cooler or or something like that or it storage. also has these dividers you could put in so uh, one divider so if you had like uh, some wine bottles or milk jugs or whatever they would stay where they are and they aren't going to get everything else uh, wet right and, and a lot of the promos show people like you could set up a laptop you could be standing there working it as a sub as a station a workstation um, you putting, could sleep. I could sleep well, in it. Right, I could. And uh, <laughs> so big. Or you, or you could have uh, chop saw or something, power tools in there. Um, so it's a very functional um, workspace, storage space. Um, put your younger brother in there while you're driving down the road, whatever. So, oh so my got that. I mean, that sounds like fun. Anyway, um, so so you've got. Uh, <laughs> So you've got that. Then, of course, you've got the traditional bed, the back bed of it for hauling. And this thing has a substantial, well, let's just talk about it like a regular car, because I want to talk about it later, like it's part of your energy system for your home. Well, finish about the bed, because it's Well, the bed, some... I'm, I'm saying it's, oh, got, okay. it's got a 2,000-pound payload. So it's a one-ton pickup truck, similar to the regular old F-150. It's off-road capable. So, you know, take it out four-wheeling, do your mud run and whatever. Or if you're a farmer. Yeah. And, and um, you know, uh, a lot of people, if you have driven an electric vehicle, you're going to know that these things have terrific acceleration, a lot of torque. Uh, in fact, this is supposed to be the fastest pickup truck ever ever designed it goes zero to 60 in whatever right. negative all time. electric so, vehicles are like that they yeah. the minute they kick into their gasoline engine you know it because it just bogs down so if you're into the vehicle let alone not don't worry about it if it's a diesel or an electric or or a gas-powered car you're just gonna like the performance of it at least as advertised because these things aren't out yet uh, it's also saying that it has 10,000 pound towing capacity so it's it's meaty in that regard um and and it just seems it seems to me like this is what guys who just want to go out or women thank um, you who just want a macho vehicle okay um, i don't want a macho vehicle but i would love to have this truck as a farmer to haul things also all the projects that we've done we could have that have a cooler in it so people had their lunches and their um, and cold things to drink. We could have several people using uh, uh, equipment, pieces of equipment that require electricity. We could haul things. I mean, I, I see it as just a real valuable um, vehicle. And you've it, already been lobbying me to think about maybe getting one at some future point. I don't like the fact that it's so mammoth because it looks like a <laughs> You'll tank. need a ladder to climb up. But you mentioned to me something earlier in the week about this this truck is actually a like another kind of truck that costs quite a lot and is really high end, but it's not that truck. You remember telling me about that? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when we get into it, I think it's it's um, actually Ford partnered with Rivian. Yeah, okay. Uh, and mm -hmm. Rivian is is an electric vehicle truck, but it's a very high end, expensive truck. And apparently, they've used the same. They refer to it as the skateboard, which is the the battery portion, the undercarriage, the chassis, the the motors. So so it seems like, and I I don't know this for sure, but that's my impression that they've basically put a Ford F-150 on top of a Rivian um, skateboard. So, so they're, 
they're getting the best of both worlds, I think, in that regard. Um, certainly the way, again, it's advertised. So we're going purely by advertising. And when you get inside the cab, of course, it's it's super space age. You know, it's got the push button thing. It's got display terminals. It's got got all of that kind of stuff. Well, and um, it tells you because your payload is going to determine how your battery life uh, how long your battery life is in terms of being on the road to a certain extent. Well, yeah. okay, but it does influence it. And so, and also I guess, you know, where you're driving, whether it's off road or on road, but that's pretty cool because it has a display that shows you, um, you know, how, how that, how that's going to influence how long that battery is going to last when you're on the road, if it's hilly or flat or so pretty mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, let's now let's talk about some of it from from the techie standpoint, my standpoint, I'll say, as opposed <laughs> to, you know, I, I don't really care. Every time we've gone in to buy a car, they ask, what color do you want? What features do you want? I'm like, I don't care what color. You I don't just even want go. It to go. You want me to go and yeah, make well, the deal. <laughs> that's a different issue because I hate those, those, that process. But anyway, these things have a 98 kilowatt hour capacity battery. Now, you may not know what that means. To me, that is like huge. Um, to give you a sense of it, the average house uses, uh, the average suburban American home uses about 30 kilowatt hours per day of electricity. So if you were to say that you've now got a 98 kilowatt hour, and this is the starter model. There's a high-end model, I think, <laughs> that goes to like 138 or something like that. Boom. So, so you basically have three days of complete backup power for your home if you didn't try to conserve one little bit of energy. And, and that sort of if it's gets, fully charged. If it's fully like charged. Saying, and yeah. that, that basically gets to the point where you, when you plug this thing in using their, um, their state-of-the-art charger, the big one, um, you can, it's bi-directional. So if the grid goes down, you can actually power your home from this car, uh, from this truck. And it will provide enough energy, battery backup, to supply your home for three days. Now, if you begin to conserve and you turn off loads and things like that, who knows how long you could extend it, quite a long time. That's just with a fully charged battery. Now, I've been designing solar for a while, and, and when we size a battery bank, when we start looking at the size of these battery banks and the costs of these battery banks, effectively, if you buy the Ford Lightning, you get a really good backup battery for your home and they throw in the truck for free. You know, I mean, that's, that's amazing. I mean, you get, you know, we've, I've always talked about if you're going to buy batteries for your home, why not drive them? You know, well, this is literally that. And, and the reason is because the cost price, the price here, their, their base price is right around a $40,000. Now, 40000 bucks. I mean, that's a lot of money, but not when you're comparing it with other cars. Well, other trucks, too, because a lot of those trucks that people are using, especially in the farm world, are between fifty and $75,000. They don't even start at 40000 Yeah, and even for just a regular old passenger car, you know, they're, they're starting to push up to, close to that $40,000, which is astounding in my brain, but it's just the reality it of... It costs of, more than our first new house. Yeah, well, and... Uh, <laughs> And so, but then on top of that, there is still a federal tax credit. Because it's a fully electric vehicle, you'll get a $7,500 tax credit. 
So really, assuming you're paying taxes, the cost of it will be somewhere around 32.5. And the Biden administration is talking about pushing that tax credit up to $15,000, which would effectively put the price of this at, uh, what, 25000 Now, my guess is if they get this federal tax credit, the dealers will probably bump up the price and there's going to be a shortage and all of that. So whether you realize that or not, who knows, but it's definitely an affordable vehicle. And when we I just want to point out an awful lot of people are pretty conservative, so I don't think there'll be that big of a rush. Oh, I think there will. I mean, already. I mean, there's there's backups on it. There's pre-orders on it. Um, you know, so so this What's is a backup, a back orders backup. Oh, back you know, orders. Like when we bought the Prius, we had to wait what six months for it to uh, the the plug-in hybrid. Um, it, there was a six-month delay because they had only allocated X number of vehicles to the Midwest, and we had to we were one of them, but we had to wait. And, and the same issue is going to happen with this vehicle. It seems we're dealing with supply chain issues pretty much in, any, in everything. And this is going to be another one of those. Um, so, so here we have this vehicle that's affordable. And it is, um, you know, macho. It's got hair on its chest, right? Oh. Yeah, you're going, oh, I don't like that. But and it, I <laughs> hope that doesn't happen if you drive it, because I certainly don't want to have hair on my chest. Yeah, well, it sounds like those Irish Spring commercials, right? Manly, yes, but I like it too, you know? <laughs> so oh, so anyway, um, so, so what, what is, this is all upside that we've been talking about. But, but as with everything, there is going to be a downside. Um, currently the way that this thing charges, you've got several options. One is it comes standard with a 30 amp, 120 volt regular charging station. You just plug it in an outlet and you plug your vehicle into it. Now that charging station charges at about one kilowatt per hour or one kilowatt hour per hour. Okay, so if you do the math and you've got a 98 kilowatt hour battery and it's empty, you're talking about 98 hours to charge this thing. Uh, that's not very practical. So it can also be adjusted to um, 240 volt, uh, but you'll probably have to wire a 240 outlet for this. That will charge at about seven kilowatt hours per hour which um, brings the charging time down to about 14 hours. So well, that's fine because you come home and you're probably going to let it sit until the next day. Yeah. So for overnight charging, that's going to get you pretty close. Well, hopefully your, your electrical outlets and everything in your house can withstand that kind of pull on your electricity. Well, that particular charger is going to be... Um, well, let's see. I think they've got a, a, yeah, that one's still 32 amps. So you're going to have that. You're probably going to have capacity for that. They do have a 48 amp charger that you can put in and hardwire in. That's going to reduce that time to about 10 hours. So not a big, huge difference, but that's going to require like a 50 amp uh, circuit, which if you know anything about your electrical, that's probably pretty big. I mean, that's going to be yeah. a lot. Yeah. I mean, you better have some, some room in your fuse, in your Circuit breaker, circuit breaker box. box or you're going to be well that's just something to consider because it's the same in these places where people have plug-in 
like at businesses and gas stations now, that's going to sort of maybe change that slightly. Okay, well, we'll take a break here and let everybody know that you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. And thank God. Thank God. So the end of the world. And it's the end of the internal combustion engine as Woo-hoo! we know it. And but you know what? Here's the thing. The true cost. What is the true cost of this sucker? Because. I don't care. It's big and macho. So <laughs> that's all I care about. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to just ignore you me. for your bad behavior. <laughs> so, so in my brain, it's like I do feel like this vehicle has a lot of potential to flip the electric car world on its on its ears but i i feel like there's an awful lot in it that may be a problem for me at least as a person who cares about how these things are created okay well before we get to those esoteric or basically externalized costs that are probably true for every vehicle certainly but um i i wanted to tell you some of the actual problems you're going to face right off the bat because the main charging station that you're going to need you're going to need this 80 amp charging station if you want to use the battery in the vehicle as battery backup for your home well that 80 amp charging station requires that you have a 100 amp dedicated circuit to the charging station which is about as much power as a typical home uses you know i mean a lot of people have 100 amp service panel boxes in their home so it sort of brings up a problem to have another circuit box just for that yeah you're gonna have to have uh, an electrician come in and practically you know it may be in some cases rewire your home but certainly change out your service panel upgrade your service from the utility. And this brings up the problem when we begin to electrify everything and move to renewable energy, move to solar, move to wind, get into electric vehicles. We're basically dealing with homes that were built in the 1800s, the 1900s, and now we're asking them to move into the 21st century. Or even the 2000s, you know, they're not set up for this. Right. So, so we've got antiquated technology that has to have a major overhaul. And if you've tried to find an electrician to come work on your home recently, you know, good luck with that. So, so there may be a very practical aspect that, sure, this is a great new piece of technology, but I can't use it because, first off, it's going to cost me many thousands of dollars to get my electrical system in my home um, up, to, up to par to deal with this technology if I can even get somebody to do it. So the price tag's a lot more than 40000 but the thing is, I don't think this is so unusual. It seems that any innovations like this, particularly that have potential to change culture, have always been adopted early days by people who have money, who have the ability to rewire their homes and, you know. Yeah, well, this is definitely a a middle-class and rich person's kind of thing. You know, I mean, obviously, if you don't have money for any of this stuff, you're not going to adopt it. I mean, you're just trying to get by. So this is really a a, uh, first-world issue that we're dealing with. I I also wonder when the salespeople are trying to, you know, pitch the, the truck, to you if um, if they're going to have to have an education on how this really works because uh, I know with the with the Prius um, 
our uh, the guy that sold us the Prius, he'd never seen one of the the type that we have, and he just really didn't have a clue. We were telling him some of the things that he needed to look for when he's selling the vehicle. So it seems like there's going to be a need for car salespeople to take a class in solar energy. Well, at this point, well, I haven't even gotten into solar. This is just fully electric and it can go with solar or without solar. But you're right, it's going to require an entire education or re-education, not only of the people who sell the vehicles, but the people who maintain the vehicles. Yeah. You've also got issues with first responders. If this thing gets in an auto accident, um, there's super high voltage potential in there. So, so first responders need to be taught how do you um, extricate somebody from an electric vehicle safely. Or so, if it's on fire. Or, yeah, the lithium-ion batteries yeah, in a yeah. crash could, yeah. could um, have up. thermal run runaway. Similarly to a gas engine could explode. I mean, so these are dangers that are inherent in this technology, but they're different dangers. And you have to know how to deal with those. Um, when, when we talk about the cost of, of running an electric vehicle, um, I was trying to do some math on this. And, and as I started digging through the numbers, it basically, the number that I keyed in on is the Ford um, documentation says that at the 240 volts, it's going to be charging 7 kilowatts per hour, seven kilowatt hours per hour, and that you get 14 miles of range per hour. So taking those two numbers, I basically assume that one kilowatt hour of charge will provide me two miles of distance. Follow me so far on that? Make yeah. sense? Yeah. Okay. So if one kilowatt hour provides two miles, well, then I looked up what is the average miles per gallon of a Ford F-150, and they currently get about 25 miles to the gallon. So that would mean I need um, 12 and a half kilowatts. Uh, this, kilowatt is way, hours. this is way too much information. All right, so anyway. So what's it boil down to? Boils down a gallon? at 12 cents a kilowatt hour, it's about $1.50 a gallon. That's if I'm charging it at home. But a lot of people will be charging at these... Um, uh, pay stations, basically. And the way the electric vehicle, the supercharger pay stations work is companies will install these supercharging stations and then they have the ability to charge whatever they want to charge. Sort of like I could install a gas pump and charge whatever I want to charge. Assuming the market will, will um, hold people steady. But Tesla... Tesla has a bunch of these chargers, and the average they charge is about 28 cents per kilowatt hour, which basically means about $3.50 a gallon. Yeah. So not, not a super big, you know, cost-saving deal there. Um, you mentioned about re-educating the car dealership guys. Well, one of the things about not having an engine on your vehicle, uh, they only have the motors to drive the wheels, the electric motors, is maintenance on your vehicle is going to be about 40% less than an internal combustion engine. You mean uh, the amount of it, but they're going to knock the heck out of the pricing because that's how they make a lot of money now on vehicles right. is by charging a lot for replacement parts and labor. Well, and dealers have been very resistant to moving to electric because, like you said, they make their money on maintenance. Yeah. So if you don't have maintenance, you, do, you lose a big portion of your revenue. Now, Tesla dealt with that by simply not having dealers. And, um, 
And that has led to a bunch of lawsuits in different states because that's illegal in some places. Um, you know, free market at work, right? If you don't have a dealer, we're going to put you out of business. So, um, <laughs> well, that sounds like drugs to me. <laughs> right. So we have these uh, infrastructure issues that are going to be pretty critical. We need to build out the charging station um, infrastructure out there so people on the road. Well, it's like the cart before the horse right now, it feels to me like, because it, we're going from cars that do this, which where our most homes within reason are set up to be able to recharge these vehicles to something amazing that we do need to have happen because we got to move past the fossil fuel use but it doesn't sound like we're quite ready. Well, it, it like you said, you've got to have demand before somebody's going to invest in the infrastructure, but you've got to have infrastructure before somebody's going to buy the product. Fortunately, we're talking about electricity. It's not some esoteric thing. Most, most gas stations have electricity. You know, um, most homes already have electricity. It may require an upgrade. It may require some additional equipment. But it's not like when you talk about fuel cell vehicles where nobody has hydrogen, you know, and hydrogen storage and distribution in their home. And nobody has it at a gas station unless you invest many, many, many tens of thousands of dollars to build this infrastructure. So that's one of the reasons I think that fuel cell vehicles will never be a thing. But electric vehicles will because, yeah, we've got a little bit of a, a speed bump here in the initial adoption, but we're not talking about a brand new technology. We're not having no. to create a whole new infrastructure. But, but you know what I think the problem is? We're still trying to make this vehicle do things the way it's always been done, which is often a mistake. So what about if we stepped away from that whole idea of um, – you know, plugging into your outlet or whatever. And we started to think about the idea that we just take that battery out and switch another battery in. And then the battery that's, that's, um, needs to be charged gets charged because then you stop at the gas station, they change your battery. You can just keep going. <laughs> well, there was an Israeli company that actually had that idea and, uh, they tried to do an, um, that kind of battery swap out where you just come in, basically pop out the battery pack, stick in a fully charged one, and you'd be on your way in, in you know, 10 minutes or whatever. Um, I, I don't think the industry is going to go with that approach. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of, um, you know, manufacturing issues involved with that to have a removable battery. These things are fully integrated in the chassis of well, the vehicle. I know, and they're very heavy, but there may be a piece of it that could be like a cylinder that comes out and is replaced by another cylinder. I don't, I don't think that it's going to be necessary because new but charging it's, stations. seven hours of, of Not really. If you go to a super high but voltage But you said DC, it's true. You no, I said say, it when you're doing it at home. Oh, okay. But if you go to the, one of these super high voltage DC charging stations at a gas station, now you're talking about charging, you know, um, in minutes, you know, like a, they basically say a full charge in 40 minutes. Uh, if you go to a level three fully DC high voltage charging station. Now that's still a long time to stop for gas, but it's not a lot, long time to stop for a meal um, and, and have it charged well in the meal. Or you can say, okay, I'm going to charge it for 10 minutes and that's going to get me, let's say, 100 miles of range. Well, 
10 minutes for a hundred miles is pretty good, you know, and then you can get home for sure. If you don't, if you're, if you're pressed for time. So the way electric vehicles charge is the first 80% of your battery charges relatively quickly. Well, that's the true. last 20% takes, it takes a long forever. time. Yeah, that's true. So you just keep charging that 80%, but then how does that influence the battery life? It doesn't, not with lithium. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, but you mentioned about the externalized cost. One of the externalized costs is going to be fact, you know, the pollution involved in lithium um, mining and and all of the issues that are around extraction economies. Well, hopefully that, they're going to be reusing these batteries re, for a long time. Them. Yep, well that's for another day. Anyway, you have been listening to When the Biomass <laughs> Hits the Wind Thanks. Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, Saved by the Bell. Um, we want to thank our Emmy Award winning producer, Adam Rich, and we want to thank you for spending a little time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and eat your vegetables. Okie dokie. Till next time. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockstation.com.